Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Richard Roberts. Each week, I bring an exciting guest from the United States, Canada, and other nations around the world to give you an update of what's going on in the ministry, and thank God for that. My very special guest is my longtime friend, Mike Smalley, who today is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Of course, he lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I know you're going to, you're on your way to celebrate a great day, great birthday with our longtime friend, Mike Murdoch. So I, I know you've been busy. I know you've been yeah. down with uh, Brother Jimmy Swag recently, and I know you're all over the world. Give us just a little taste of what's going on in your life right now, Mike. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you today. I've loved and followed your ministry for years. And, you know, we, we've been friends for so long, doing lots of television together and lots of ministry around the world. I love watching what God does with your ministry in Africa and all around the world, all the people you and Lindsay are touching. And it's a joy to be with you today. I was with Brother Swaggart for a couple of days. Uh, down there with Gabriel and Donnie and Jimmy and and then I'm back and be with Dr. Murdoch today and I get to start the morning off with you so it's good to be Mike Smalley right now so I got great people in my life and great men and women of God uh, you know as we've been traveling and uh, you know the pandemic was a little weird for all of us that are in traveling ministry but now more and more back to normal and just seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing in people's lives is really amazing you know there's been real uh, a real separation. Uh, those that kind of were part in and not so really committed have kind of taken a little sabbatical and other people are coming to the front and saying, man, I'm hungry. We, we really need God. They're reading the Bible. They're looking at the newspaper and they're saying, you know what? We have prophetically uh, minutes to reach millions and they want to touch from God. And so those are the people God's really sending me to right now, uh, reminding us who we are in Christ and what God expects for us in these last days and the privilege. You know, you remember Leonard Ravenhill. You probably were impacted like I was by his book, Why Revival Terries. And I was with him uh, many times before he passed away. And he said something to us right at the last, like maybe two weeks before he died and before he had a stroke. And he said to those that were, I was in my thirties at the time. And he said, all of you that are young, he said, you have the greatest task before you ever. But then he smiled and said, but it's the greatest privilege. <laughs> and I think about that a lot. You know, you and I who get to be, by God's grace, on the front lines of world evangelism yes. during this day, you know, and what a, what a privilege and honor that is. And so I'm just I'm just thankful. I'm really thankful uh, at this place in my life to be used of the Lord. I know that you started out preaching you were 14 years of age. Did you have any idea when you were 14 how God was going to use you? Or were you just doing it because somebody suggested it? No, that's a great question. Uh, I had no idea what I would do. I went to a youth camp when I was 14, just like most other 14-year-old guys, just have fun with my friends and hopefully to meet some you know, girls or something. And while I was there, I had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know how to explain it. I remember my dad picked me up. And ironically, that was 40 years ago this year, 40 years ago, 1982, in Jacksonville, Texas, about the 4th of July. And I was my dad picked me up, and I remember trying to think, how am I going to tell my dad that I know I'm called to preach because I, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't see, you know, 10 visions of angels, but God just made me to know. I knew in my knower mm -hmm. that I was to spend the rest of my life preaching. That's all I had. I didn't know whether I'd pastor, be a missionary. You know, I, I, you know, I knew a few things I probably wouldn't do. Like, you know, I uh, wasn't going to uh, be a musician and I probably wasn't going to be a children's pastor. But outside of that, everything was open. You know, I had no idea. And it was a process of years. I'm just saying, okay, I know I'm going to preach, but I don't know where and I don't know how, I don't know what hat that's going to be. And so it was a real process of just pursuing the Holy Spirit and, and, and just going to Bible school and doing all those things that we do. Preaching as doors opened 
and they opened really fast. And um, thankful for that. You know, I, I feel bad for all the people that listened to me back then, but uh, but I. <laughs> I got to try. <laughs> I tried. Praise God, there was no internet back then. You know, nobody really recorded that or Facebook or whatever. But but we started preaching, and then as time progressed, God helped me to really uh, to kind of discern what was next for me. I pastored for a short time in my twenties. I started pastoring when I was twenty four, and I really look back now and I think, man, the people that were you know in their fifties and sixties that that endured me, you know, hats off to them. But after that, God thrust me out when I was thirty to do what I do now, which is just- But you had a, didn't you have a stint of pastoring when you were in your mid-20s? Yeah, yeah, from the time I was 24 till I was 30, I pastored a church in the Dallas area, in Rockwall area, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a great time. And uh, uh, most days it was great, and some days not so great, but God really used that to, um, to launch me and to help me to see how he moved and how he worked among people and you know crowds. And we had everything you can imagine. We had everything from embezzlements to staff with moral failure and in those six years you know we had building program we, we had it all in six short years i can identify with all pastors i think for everything they go through and then god uh, helped us form our organization now and we started church planting and helping pastors and we've been doing that now for 30 something years well don't you think that those pastoring years that kept you there every week don't you think that prepared you for the church planting and for your missions outreaches and for what you've done in nations, what, 30 some odd nations around the earth? Don't you yeah. think that prepared you for that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt it did. No doubt it did. You know, it helped, it helped, it, you know, it helped too, Richard, that it was, uh, it was not a large church or a big city church. I was really tucked away. I mean, God had me pushed off. I was in a town of 2,000 people. I, you know, I was raised in Dallas, so that was that was a whole new thing for me too. And, you know, a little town outside of Rockwell at the time, 2,900 people, and 120 in church on our big days. Uh, so it really kept me hidden. And uh, you, you you know that what that's like. You know how God uses you know, great fish swim alone, great birds like the eagle fly alone, and great men get alone. And God uses that time to form us before he really sends us out into our, our, our life calling. And, you know, you, I've watched that with you, your dad, so many others that have modeled that. You mentioned my dad. I, I, I know, of course, this was before I was born, but he spent the first 12 years of his Christian life pastoring in North Carolina, in Georgia, and in Oklahoma. And he told me that those years of, of him being forced to be there at home in those churches every, every week, that forced him to prepare for what God would eventually do in his life. And, and in my own life, you know, I was under him. I, I was like you, I was, I was hidden under him in all those early years until God, until God was ready for me to break forth into the healing ministry. You know, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's a, it's a time that, uh, you know, it's kind of like your first car. You, you thank God for it, but you're glad you're not driving it now. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're, you're, you're grateful for the, for the time and you recognize the value of what it put in you, but you're glad that you, you've moved on. The Lord's, you know, you're not still in that place. So yeah, I, I totally get it. <laughs> well, I, I gotta get, I gotta take a side note here. Uh, you remind me in, in 1960, 1964, I turned 16 and I got a Volkswagen, a little Volkswagen Beetle, a little green Volkswagen Beetle. And that summer, I drove that Volkswagen from Tulsa to California on $15 of gasoline. Wow, think about that. <laughs> you think times haven't changed? $15 barely get me out of Tulsa today. <laughs> yeah, no, we'd like to go back to some of those things then, okay? So. 
That'd be great. I could fill up. I could fill up the tank with for three dollars. Wow! Think about that. That's that's a couple of about two gallons now. <laughs> Where we're headed. Uh, tell us a little bit about the church planning that you're doing, and also the mission outreaches. You know, you, you'll love this, and, and, and those who are listening are going to love this. I, I was scheduled. This is back in the you know late '90s. 98 or so. I had a real passion to plant churches overseas, and I didn't really know how. I didn't have anybody to connect with me. But I, I, I linked up with a, a, a Bible translation ministry. Pastor Silvell Phillips uh, at the time led the only spirit-filled Bible translation society recognized in the world, and it came out of Wycliffe. So there was a Bible translator in Liberia who lived in a time that just had a seven-year civil war. There was no electricity in the country. There was no running water, like in the whole country. This guy was writing a New Testament for a tribe of about 100,000 people that had never had one verse of printed scripture ever. He was halfway finished when the power went out to the whole country. So at the time, uh, it was very expensive, but we got together uh, and we, we packed up some solar panel computer equipment that worked with laptops just in the direct sunlight, which as you know, Africa has no shortage of. So we thought if we can get this to him uh, and spend a couple of days with him, just encourage him and then leave this equipment with him, he can finish writing this Bible. We can help get a New Testament for the first time in world history to 100,000 people that can't read the scripture in their own mother tongue. So that's what I thought I was going to Africa for. That was my mission. I got halfway there. And the British Airlines pilot came on the air and says, we've blown an engine and we're halfway to Africa, but we don't have any equipment there to fix this. So we've got to go back to England. Well, the reason that was bad is the plane I was taking from Ghana to Liberia, except only left once every three days. So if I miss my connection, I messed up for like six days. So they flew me back to Europe, fixed the plane, and they forwarded me to one other country that I wasn't even supposed to go to, an African country. So I'm sitting there for three days. I don't know a single human in that nation. And a man was sent to, we made one call back to the States. Does anybody know anybody here? You know, we're in Ghana. Long story short, Richard, the guy that came to pick me up, I just thought he was somebody's nice friend. We, we had no idea. He picked me up, took me to a hotel, said, I'll, I'll pick you up for breakfast in the morning. So while I'm sitting there talking to him, he says, tell me about, you know, your heart for Africa. And I said, well, I just, I've got this burden to plant churches and here's how I'd like to do it. And I kind of laid out the plan that I had and he starts crying. He says, and I have no idea who this guy is yet. He's just my driver. He says, I've been praying for 10 years for someone from America who could do exactly the formula that you're laying out because here that will plant churches like every 10 minutes. He said, but I haven't had that connection. He said, you don't know me but I'm the assistant general superintendent for the assemblies of God for the entire nation of God. Oh my. Well, I, it wasn't that I was looking to plant assembly of God churches. I just want credible churches, but here's this guy who's overseeing. So we're like, this is a God connection. Now all my, my engine goes out, my flight gets canceled for three days. I'm in a nation I wasn't even supposed to go to. And, and, and here's my driver. And this is, you know, so, from that day till this, he and I have planted over 50 churches in Ghana through a, a method that really wouldn't work here, but it's a, it's a crusade-type weekend method that works really well there. And we, we go in, our team, our ministry paid for all the expenses. We brought a team over. Uh, he knew where to plant a church. I didn't. He knew the language. I didn't. He knew who they could install to be a young pastor. I didn't. 
So we brought what we brought, they bought what we brought. We would do crusades in the open air, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, pray for the sick, uh, give an altar call. And, and, and then the Sunday morning rolled into the Sunday morning was the official first Sunday of the brand new church made up of the converts from the crusade. And we would install a young pastor there to stay and live. And sometimes 20 or 30 people from another city who were already born again and established, they would move over. And uh, I was just thinking, you'll love this. So one, we're, we're preaching at one time and it, you know, Africa, it's, we're out, we're out. We're not in a big city. We're, we're out in rural areas. Uh, maybe 800 show up, maybe 2000 show up, maybe 200 show up. We're out away. Okay. Uh, we're, we're the gospels needing to go and we're closing down last night. Uh, we've already dismissed the crowd. Lights are being turned off. They're putting me in my car, taking me to the hotel, going back to America. And I hear from behind the stage, somebody screaming, wait, 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 is it too late? And so we turn and a young man, 17, runs over the bushes. He's sweaty. He's, he's bleeding. He's run through thorns. And he's, he's cut up and he's, he's heavy with breath, broken English. He says this. He, he didn't know it was, I was the preacher. He didn't, you know, he hadn't seen me. So he just didn't know he was talking to me. He said, I was in a garden hoeing and, 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 and gardening about two, two kilometers back. And I heard somebody talk about a man named Jesus who could heal the sick, raise the dead, had more power than the witch doctor. And, and, and he said, somebody said, if you'd like to meet this Jesus, come to the front right now. He said, I've been running for two miles. I just got here. Had to jump over fences, people's property. He said, now you're turning off the lights. You're all leaving. Is it? Watch this. He said, is it too late? Is he still here? He thought he was physically there. He said, I want to meet the person you've talked about named Jesus. So we had the joy of leading that young man to Christ and explaining, well, today, 10 plus years later, he's the associate pastor of the church we started that night. You know, so we've seen some amazing fruit through the years. But that's how that whole thing started was a passion God put in my heart and a bad engine on British Airways. Otherwise, I'd have never met that man. We'd have never had that connection. And all these churches and many of these churches have now planted two and three of their own. Some of them running 800, 200, some of them run 2,500 now and all over Ghana. So it's been a beautiful thing to see. We've, we've done the same thing in Kenya now. We've done the same thing in Honduras. We've done the same thing in Mexico. So God's really helped the whole thing to explode. And so our whole passion was to leave a church wherever we do a crusade. Mike, that's amazing. Uh, all of us who are in ministry have had those kinds of delays and uh, oftentimes we think, well, you know, maybe, maybe we miss God or, or perhaps uh, something will never work out. But God takes those instances and he uses them. If you, if you read the Bible, you find the Apostle Paul on the island of Malta, you know, shipwrecked and, and delayed going to Rome. But if you go to Malta today, it is per capita the most Christianized nation in the world because of what St. Paul did there all those years ago. And they still have a St. Paul Day and a St. Paul Parade on the island wow. of Malta today. And uh, he wow. was delayed, you know, but it wasn't. It, it, sometimes God allows delays like that because he has another purpose in mind. We don't often know at the time. I, I, I'll just share this briefly with you. I did basically the same thing happened. I was flying home from Africa from a crusade when we lost an engine, or actually we lost uh, something that had to do with an engine, and we had to land in the, in the nation of Niger. Well, God, and God had spoken to me and told me that I was going, He was going to send me to Niger. 
Well, I'd never been in Niger before, and the same thing happened there, knew nobody. But while I was there, I, I, I began to meet people. And it wasn't a year later that I conducted one of the greatest crusades I ever had in my life in Niger. It came because of a delay. Wow, think about that. Those things happen. Yeah. And sometimes- God orders our steps. Some, sometimes their delay is just to delay you. <laughs> it took me, it took me uh, almost a half a day longer to get home from Cameroon last month than it should have. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. a God delay. That was a man delay. No God delay. And sometimes you get those God delays. Mike, what's coming up next for you? Where are you headed next? What do you see happening in the world today? And how do you think you can be a part of it to, to bring change into it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I tell you what's huge for me. Now, our crusades are different. That's salvation message and, and, and healing, you know, real emphasis on praying for the sick, as, as you do. Uh, when I'm in the States and when I'm in churches here, a real passion and have been now for three or four years, I really teach real heavy and in-depth on who we are in Christ. Uh, what is that new normal life now uh, for us now that we've been given the gift of righteousness and eternal life? And how does that look with our, our confession, our prosperity, our healing, all of those things that really most Christians really don't. They have a little bit of ideology, but they don't walk in that. They, they, they struggle. They get you know up and down. So we've got a real passion to help Christians understand what their new normal is supposed to be. Once they become born again, the moment you receive that gift of eternal life, everything's changed and transferred from one kingdom to another. You still live here in your body, but you're functioning in another realm, and that realm's more real than the one you're looking at. You know, what does all that look like practically? How do people walk in that? We really teach on that a lot when we travel, and pretty much every weekend I'm in a church somewhere helping a pastor move his people into that in a deeper way uh, overseas has always been my passion and COVID has been hard for us because, you know, so many doors, you know, get closed during that time. Now they're opening more up. I, I was just funny that you asked me that because I was praying last night in my literal closet, you know, Lord, I, send me back big to Africa overseas. I, I, I'm more than ready. And uh, I really think because I really believe what I said a minute ago, it's not just evangelist type for me. Prophetically, we're so close to so many things changing and wrapping up that'll never go back because you know we're, we're in the deep end times here and there's eight billion plus people on the earth and many have never heard the gospel and many have and are still indifferent to it so we've got minutes prophetically to reach millions we've got you know just minutes to reach billions so with the time that the lord gives us i really want to just throw that net out in every way possible, just like you're doing through social media, through your crusades, through your television ministry, you know, just like you and Lindsay are doing and doing everything you know to do to, to get as many people in that net as you can. You know, it, it, it's that time. God gives us times of vacation, resting and all that. That's all. Well, the main thing is we're reaching back and just picking people up. I love Psalms 40 and you and your ministry model it for me so well, because the Bible said he brought me up out of a horrible pit. So some of us, like you and I, were raised in church. We didn't have a testimony of, you know, being a heroin addict for 40 years, then God saving us, which is phenomenal. Thank God for all that. We just kind of grew up in church. Many of us can't even remember when we got saved because we never knew anything but. So I like to think of it this way in regard to Psalms 40. We were all either in a horrible pit when he found us or headed to one. Yeah. But he rescued us. And so now we owe that to everybody else. So I want to spend the rest of my life rescuing those who have never heard and those who have, but just need some more encouragement. You know, your dad, you know, I grew up hearing it every Sunday morning, something good is going to happen to you this very day. So it's that message, you know, it's what you've been preaching for 50 years yourself. 
you know, you didn't come into town today to tell people that everything's going to be all right. Your message has been in Christ. Everything already is all right. We, we, we're just moving forward. And so um, that's from my real passion. I really, really, really want people to know who they are in God. He paid a big price for us to live ignorant of all that he has for us. And so as God shows us the riches of his grace, we want to share them and help people know who they are in Christ. Well, that's a good word, Mike. Uh, I would be derelict uh, if I did not ask you to pray over people watching today, uh, people watching and listening this podcast on the Charisma Network, on our network and others. Uh, would you pray over the needs of people right now and then I'll pray yeah. after you do. Yeah, sure. Well, let's pray together, everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Lord, we thank you today. Lord, I, I don't know how every person is hearing my voice right now, whether it's on their handheld device, whether it's a television screen, their laptop. Lord, someone may be listening on a business trip in a hotel. Someone may be listening to me that's incarcerated right now. Someone may uh, be a first-time listener to this podcast, and others may have never missed an episode. Father, I don't know how you caused all of us to be together right now, but I know this. Every one of us are in your will because you put a word in my mouth, you put a word in Richard's mouth for us. And if we're listening right now, then that word is for us. We thank you today, Father, that you have never been a respecter of persons. We thank you that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I thank you today that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our heart that you were raised from the dead, we're saved in that moment. I thank you that you were made sin with our sin. You were made sick with our sickness. I pray today for any person listening to me today, Lord, who's struggling with their, their mind, their emotions, their body. I curse sickness and disease in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I curse depression that comes to attack us and we receive right now the resurrection healing power jesus of nazareth father i thank you today for the partners of this ministry who sow seed every month to help richard and Lindsay take the gospel all around the world the message of salvation the message of divine healing Lord, I, I pray for the partners of this ministry today that you would shock them how fast you can bring them a harvest where they need it the most. That every 30 days we get the privilege of setting aside a seed into your work, into a man of God who's been proven for over 50 years to preach the gospel. Jesus saves and Jesus heals and Jesus is coming in. Father, I pray for a special supernatural increase in every partner sowing a seed even this week in their business, in their home, Father, where they need it the most. I release to them, Father, your favor, your blessing. Luke 6, 38, Mark 10, 28. We call it in, and we thank you that you're getting in covenant with our giving, and you're giving us a harvest. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And I add my prayers to Mike's prayers, especially Mike, I pray over you. Just as I hear you praying today, I hear the Lord saying that Mike Smalley is a modern-day John the Baptist, preaching and teaching and calling on people to give their hearts to Christ. The time is short, you're very right. And for those of you that are watching and listening, I pray over you today. I join his prayer praying that Satan would be rebuked, <clears throat> that you would be healed in every area of your life. Every sickness and every disease and every fear and every doubt would come out in the name of Jesus. And that you would know beyond any shadow of doubt that God is your leader. 
God is the one who sets the path for you to walk on. And as you walk on his path, I pray that no enemy shall be able to stop you. For the angels of the Lord will be encamped about you to keep you safe in every area of your life. I pray this blessing over each one of you as you watch or listen today in the authority of Jesus' name. And Mike, I especially pray over you as you travel because just like me from time to time, you are almost, you're virtually in harm's way in nations out there around the world. And I dispatch angels to encamp about you to keep you safe from harm, danger, accident, injury, pilfering, theft, hijacking, and terrorism, and keep you safe wherever you go and your family. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray and I believe. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. And I hear the Lord saying these words, expect a miracle. <laughs> expect a miracle. It was my father, Oral Roberts, who coined that phrase way back in the 1950s, expect a miracle. Some people expect disaster. I don't expect disaster, Mike. I expect a miracle. And I'm grateful. Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be a part. Thank you uh, so, so much. wonderful. And if you are in an area where Mike is ministering, I urge you to go out and sit under his ministry. You will be greatly blessed. Give my dear, my dear friend, Mike Murdoch, my love when you see him. And uh, you and I will, will you and I will, our, our paths will cross again. Okay. <laughs> we will. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great day. And thank you for joining me today on the Expect a Miracle podcast. See you next week. Text giving is now available. If you're in the USA, text RRM to 833-881-6442. Now, if you're in Canada, text RRM Canada to 77977. Your generosity makes a difference.